Have you ever found yourself in a situation where there just seems to be no right answer? We might call this a lose-lose situation. Well, that is exactly what Joseph found himself in uh, on that very first Christmas. You see, Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, and he knew he was not the father. And so through the eyes of Joseph, that very first Christmas was a story of pain. But there was a different perspective at play on that first Christmas. That was God's perspective. Uh, Through the eyes of God, uh, this was not just a situation of pain. It was a situation filled with incredible purpose. And that's the take-home message this morning. God can use our greatest pain uh, for his greatest purposes. If you're taking notes, there are bulletins on your seats with fill-in-the-blanks. That's the take-home message. God can use our greatest pain for his greatest purposes. Now, we are told uh, the Christmas story in two of the four Gospels, okay? The Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. Now, Luke tells the story through the eyes of Mary, and Matthew tells the story through the eyes of Joseph. Now, typically in the church, we have focused more on Luke, and that is because there's more information in Luke. There's less information in Matthew. It's more concise. And you know, that kind of makes sense to me because Joseph was a man of few words. He has no words recorded in scripture. He's been called the quiet carpenter. Uh, But what we're going to see this morning is that Joseph speaks loudly and powerfully through his actions. And just as God chose Mary to raise Jesus, just as much, he chose Joseph to raise Jesus. And so we're going to look at this birth of Jesus Christ through the eyes of Joseph. So look at your Bibles at Matthew 1.18, and I'm going to read our passage for us. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you find yourself in a very, very difficult situation. Maybe you find yourself this morning in a situation that doesn't make sense. Well, I want to encourage you this morning. You came to the right place. Because when we look at Joseph's story, this is a story that through his eyes does not make sense. And so what I want you to do as we walk through this is I want you to have that situation in the back of your mind. Maybe it's already there already, um, but I want you to keep that in the back of your mind and I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you through the word of God this morning because I think there are some answers and some encouragements here for you. Uh, What I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna walk us through uh, this Christmas story through Joseph's eyes, and I'm going to give some context to hopefully bring it to life, and I hope that God will speak to you through it. 
So we're going to walk through it in four steps, okay? And, and there are four verses, so one verse at a time. And here is the first stage of this story for Joseph. Joseph walked with God through the pain. Joseph walked with God through the pain. When I look at verse 18, I just see pain for Joseph. Let's read verse 18 again. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now stop there because I'm going to read this again from what it would have looked like for Joseph with what he knew, okay? When Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child. Joseph didn't get those last four words from the Holy Spirit. And so if you're Joseph here, there's really only one conclusion that you can reach. Mary has been unfaithful, right? At least through Joseph's eyes, that's what it would have looked like to him. And it says that they are betrothed. What does that mean? Well, betrothal was far more serious than our modern day engagement. Betrothal was a one-year period of time before the two would be married, okay? And during that period of time, they would refer to each other as husband and wife, and it would take a legal divorce to break off a betrothal. In fact, if someone was found to be unfaithful, sexually unfaithful, that would be considered adultery. And as scandalous as that might be in the church today, it was infinitely more scandalous in their culture. In fact, uh, the Jewish Mosaic law, the penalty for adultery was death. Okay, so this is serious. And Joseph was maybe just in his teens. So he not only has to deal with the hurt, the betrayal, the rejection, he's got to figure out what to do legally. I think you're starting to get a picture of how Joseph might have felt. You know, on one hand, I think that Joseph was, was looking at Mary and he loved Mary. And he knew Mary was a righteous woman. And so you got to imagine when he was trying to reconcile that Mary with this most unrighteous thing she appeared to have done and he's trying to get these two things to come together and make sense, but it doesn't make any sense. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been through a circumstance that as hard as you think and as many times as you replay it and as many times as you replay the conversation and the circumstances and as many times as you ask God, you can't get it to make sense? That's called pain. And, and that is what Joseph was experiencing. And it leads right into the next point. Joseph walked with God through the pain. Here's the next one. Joseph walked with God through the wrestling. Because, you know, what I found is when, when painful circumstances hit, they hit hard and fast. They hit like a brick. You don't see them coming. But typically what you're left with after that is the wrestling, right? It, it's not resolved right away. And so Joseph finds himself in this, this period of wrestling. And let's look at verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly you know what i would call this period of wrestling for joseph i would call it y land <laughs> joseph is living in y land have you ever been in y land this is where you know something happens and, you, and every day you're like why god why did this happen to me why did this person do this to me why did they say this to me and you keep trying to figure it out but you can't joseph is in Y land, 
and he's wrestling not only with why she did this to him, but what to do about it. And maybe you're looking at this verse and you're saying, Billy, how is is Joseph considered a just man for divorcing Mary? That doesn't make sense, does it? Well, here's what you need to know. In that culture, Joseph didn't even have a choice. He was going to have to divorce her. You see, because for for Jews, uh, being just meant taking action when the law of God is broken. Okay, so Joseph was going to have to do something. In fact, in that culture, it was sometimes considered sinful if if you just didn't divorce a person who did this. So he was going to divorce her, but here were Joseph's options, okay? And this is where we really see how good of a man this is. He could either divorce her publicly or divorce her privately. Now, why would Joseph divorce her publicly? This actually would make a lot more sense. For Joseph, it would have been more reasonable. And here's why. This was what we call an honor-shame culture, okay? Honor and shame was the currency of the day. And so the worst thing that could happen to you, even worse than being killed, was to be dishonored, to be put to shame. And what Mary had done to Joseph, at least appeared to have done, would have brought a lot of public shame on Joseph. And so if he took her to a public trial for divorce, he could have at least, you know, shamed her and maybe gotten some honor back for himself. At least that's how the world would have seen it. So that's one reason. Here's another reason Joseph might have publicly divorced her. It would have been financially beneficial. In fact, when a crime like this was committed in that day, uh, whoever it was committed against would have the right to go to court publicly with this person and claim all of their assets. But by going to a private divorce, Joseph would forego the right to do that, okay? So that would make sense to do it publicly. And here's, here's one we can all understand. Joseph was hurt, right? And when we're hurt, what do we want to do? We want to swing back. We want to spew venom. We want to make people feel bad so that at least we're not the only one who feels bad. Joseph was hurt. And from that perspective, it made a lot of sense to take her to public trial. Joseph didn't do that, did he? Here was a second option, and this is where we see his character. Joseph could take her uh, to a quiet, private divorce trial. This would have required two witnesses. It would have been very quiet. And why would Joseph do that? You're going to see a pattern here. Joseph would first do this to protect Mary from further shame. Forget how Joseph felt. Forget how ashamed he would have been with Mary doing this to him. He wanted to put his arms around her and protect her from a worse situation. Joseph could also protect her finances, right? Uh, by, By foregoing that public trial, Joseph would be able to make sure that she could at least begin a new life in a really tough spot. And here's another one for Joseph. He wanted to protect Mary from further hurt. Are you starting to see this this guy's character? You know, he'd been hurt in the worst way and in a public way. And his first thought was not, oh man, I'm hurting so bad. How do I get back? No, it was, how do I protect Mary? Aren't you starting to see why God chose this man, Joseph, uh, to raise Jesus too? If you start thinking about Joseph in this situation, you know, he could have done a lot of damage to Mary and by extension to Jesus. He could have put them through so much, but rather than looking at his own hurt, his own pain, he said, let's stop for a second. How do I honor God and how do I protect 
Mary. He was going to be a great husband. And so as Joseph is wrestling, he handles it in a way that really reveals his character. And uh, Pastor Chuck Swindoll uses this phrase, and I think it's a great phrase for Joseph. Joseph had thick skin and a soft heart. Joseph had thick skin and a soft heart. Isn't that what you would want to be said about you? That when people hurt you and betray you, as that inevitably will happen in life because we're sinners? That you don't let it get to you so quickly and you don't let it make your love grow cold? No, you, you keep serving the Lord and you don't act out of your hurt? Joseph had thick skin and a soft heart. And so let's bring it home for us. Uh, when people hurt us, how do we respond to that? Do you immediately fire back? Do you immediately try to hurt back or spew venom at someone? Or do you stop for a second? Do you bring it to God? And do you ask how you can love God through the situation and love that person? I hope that's something people could say about our church. I hope we're a church that has thick skin and a soft heart. You think about our God, uh, certainly God is this way. You think about it, we sin every day. Billions of people sin every day against God. And, and God is so powerful, you know, in a moment God could just snuff out life from this world. But he doesn't do that. The Bible says he is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, right? And so if God is that way, we ought to be that way too, like Joseph. Joseph walked with God through the pain. Joseph walked with God through the wrestling. Uh, and here's the third one. The story is, a, is about to get a lot more encouraging, okay? Look at verse 20. Joseph walked with God through the relief. But as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So now, the words we got in verse 18, from the Holy Spirit, Joseph gets those words. And you can just imagine, he's just like, oh, thank you. You ever been in a situation like that? You have no answers, no encouragements, and all of a sudden you, you get some good news and it's like, oh, well, this would be the greatest type of relief. I think there'd be a little bit of confusion, too, because it's kind of a bizarre situation. But Joseph experiences relief. It goes beyond that, though, because look at what the angel says to Joseph. He says, Joseph, son of David. You know the only other person that phrase is used of in the Bible? Jesus. So why does this angel say, son of David? Well, this is where we see Joseph's purpose in all this. You see, Joseph was in the line of David. Joseph had royal blood. And for the Messiah to be the Messiah, they had to be in the messianic line of David. And so as Mary was Jesus' physical mother, Joseph was Jesus' legal father. He was his legal link to being the Messiah, to being in David's line. And that's why the angel says that. And so Joseph not only would have been encouraged, he would have realized that he has a big part to play in the grandest of stories. Now let's, let's bring this home for us. I just want to encourage you this morning that if you are in a tough spot, maybe you're going through one of those situations where you're living in Y land and you don't know why something's happening. 
You know, whether it's in this life or the next life, God will eventually make sense of your situation. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next week or next month or 10 years from now. But even in the next life, God will make sense of your situation. And you know what you'll be left with at that point? How did you handle it? How did you handle it? You know, me and my wife, uh, every once in a while, we will have a heated conversation. Uh, some might call it an argument. Others might call it a fight. Now, I know that none, that doesn't happen to any of you. <laughs> but when that happens, eventually it gets resolved. And you know what I'm left with? How did I handle it? Did I say anything really hurtful that's tough to take back? Or was I patient? Did I go to God in prayer first before trying to solve it myself? And you know, Joseph, he could look back, even though it was painful, even though he had to wrestle, you know, he could look back and say, you know what, I protected Mary, I didn't hurt Mary. And so when you are in that situation, I want to tell you, it is so tempting, at least for me, to uh, rebel against God or to take matters into our own hands or try to hurt back. And I just want to encourage you this morning, don't do that. Don't do that. And if you are doing that right now, take it to God. Confess your sin. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is grace for that. But walk with God through it. I love the way uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle puts it. He says, you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. You don't have to have all the answers to trust and obey today. You can do that. And you can trust that at some point when God is ready, he will make sense of it. He will bring relief. Joseph walked with God through the pain, through the wrestling, through the relief. And here's the last one. Joseph walked with God through the purpose, the big purpose here. Look at verse 21. This is one of the great verses in the Bible. Uh, The angel continues to speak And he says, Mary will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So we got Joseph's purpose, right? The legal link to the messianic line of David. Well, what is Jesus's purpose? That's an important question, isn't it? It's right here. If anybody ever asks you, what is Jesus's purpose? Why did he come? Why was he born on Christmas? To save us from our sins. You know, you'll notice if you've been here long enough, we use this phrase all the time, simple, authentic Jesus. And what do we mean by that? Here's what we mean. Our simple purpose is to point people to Jesus for the forgiveness of their sin. Let me say that again. Our simple purpose as a church is to point people to Jesus for the forgiveness of their sin. Why do you think we got this big, beautiful cross up here? Because every time we sing and every time we preach a sermon and every time we do announcements or anything we're doing here, we want you to see that cross and say, man, why is that giant cross up there? Well, it's because a man who was the son of God named Jesus went to that cross to deal with our sin. You know, I love the way that that Martin Luther describes what happened on the cross. And this is a really simple way to understand the gospel. 
When Jesus uh, got up on that cross, our sin was given to Jesus and his righteousness was given to us. It's called the sweet exchange. Isn't that cool? So what was true about Christ on that cross is righteousness. Suddenly we receive that. And when we come before God, he doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees the righteousness of Christ. So we can come boldly to the throne of grace after a good day and a bad day. What was true about him was given to us and our sin was given to him. And all you need to do to receive that is repent of your sin and turn toward Christ in faith and then you will have peace with God and you can sleep well at night and as you pursue to be more and more like Christ, you can know that you can come boldly to the throne of grace and bring all of your stuff before a holy and righteous God in the righteousness of Christ. It is the sweet exchange. And you know what? That is what Christmas is all about. That this Jesus Christ was born in a manger to humble, righteous parents. And he lived a perfect and sinless life. And he was unjustly put to death on a Roman cross for you and for me. And if we will turn to him in repentance and faith, we will be forgiven of our sin, of the guilt. Someday God will wash away all the consequences and we will have eternal life. How awesome is that? Listen, don't let anything get in the way this Christmas of that. When you get stressed about family plans and gifts and schedule changes, just remember what happened on that very first Christmas. You know, I told this, this story from my testimony last year. <clears throat> I know some of you have heard it, but I think a lot of you probably haven't. Uh, and so I just want to share a little bit about what this m- means to me. Uh, so growing up, you know, I said the sinner's prayer at a young age. I came to know Christ at a young age. But behind my faith, the next most important thing to me was basketball. Okay? So my dad is a basketball coach. I wanted to be like my dad and be a basketball coach someday. Uh, and I wanted to play Division I basketball. That was like my dream. And I wasn't that tall or that athletic, but I worked really hard, and I had a really good high school career, didn't get hurt a lot, and I was able to get a scholarship to go play basketball for my dad at a little Division I school called Western Illinois. So I was so excited, and my first year there, I redshirted. That means I sat out. My second year, I hurt my foot and missed the whole season And then my third year, I was in the best shape of my life, ready to begin my college basketball career. In fact, we were playing a powerhouse, uh, Michigan. We were playing the Michigan Wolverines, and they were 13th in the country, and we were playing at their place. But, you know, we had a good team, and we had them on the ropes towards the end of the game. We were just down like two points, few minutes left, and I caught the ball on a fast break. I was driving to the basket, and when I turned, I felt a very sharp pain in my left knee. Next thing I know, I'm in the doctor's office and he's kind of contorting my knees in ways that shouldn't be able to move. And, and that is because I, I, you know, I tore my ACL. And so I was going to miss my third season. But I fought back, you know, because I'm stubborn and I didn't want to give up. And the next summer we were doing drills and I was going to cut and I turned and boom, I tore my ACL again. I was going to miss my fourth season. And now you'll see just how stubborn I am. I was not going to give up. I still wanted to have a college basketball career. So I fought back. I got in good shape. And it was the preseason, okay? And and we were going to have a pretty decent team. And we were in practice. And a guy drove baseline. And I, I sprinted to cut him off. And boom, 
I tore my ACL again. And I missed a fifth straight season. And you know, before I knew it, my college basketball career was over. And I was shattered. Because that was my, my love behind Christ. And it didn't make sense. And you know, at that time in my life, I had said to myself, this, this is the level I'd want to coach at. So I'm going to base whether I want to coach on how my college basketball experience goes. And as you can imagine, the last thing in the world I wanted to do after that was coach basketball. And so I went into finance, and then after several years, God called me to vocational ministry. And it's been about a decade since that period of my life ended. But it does make a little more sense now. You know, if I would have had a picture-perfect basketball career, I probably just would have gone into coaching and rode off into the sunset, you know, and that would have been my plan. But God had a different plan for my life. And I can tell you, I wouldn't be standing up here today if that didn't happen to me. I wouldn't want to go through it again. But I'm happy it happened. Because I'd so much rather be up here uh, preaching the word of God and pastoring you than coaching basketball. So God had a higher purpose for my life. uh, And I wish I could look back and say I handled it well all the time. And I, I didn't. It was hard. But God had a a plan through that. And I just want to leave you with just three take-home questions that I learned in that situation. I want you to bring these home with you and think about them, okay? Here's the first one. Do you believe that God is in control? Do you believe that God is really in control of every detail of your life? When we read verses like he knows the number of hairs on our head, not a sparrow falls to the ground without his care, do you believe that? You better believe that if you're going to get through a situation that doesn't make sense, okay? The Bible tells us over and over again that he is in control. That's that word sovereign, right? He's in control, and we can trust him. Here's the next question. Do you believe that God is good? It's okay if you believe he's in control, but if you don't believe he's good, that's not going to help you very much. But over and over again, the Bible tells us that God is not just good. It tells us that his ways, his thoughts are high above our ways, our thoughts. And think of the best person you know. God is infinitely better than that. He is good and he wants what's best for you. You've got to believe that when you're going through a situation that doesn't make sense. And here's the last one. This is the action item for you guys. Will you trust and obey God? when things don't make sense. Remember what I said earlier? You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. Will you trust and obey God when things don't make sense? Because I'm telling you, someday it will make more sense. But what you can do today is leave church and and resolve in your heart, I'm going to trust and obey God through the highs and the lows, through the joys and the pains. I'm going to trust and obey him because you know what pleases God? when things look bleak and when it's not going well, when you resolve in your heart to trust and obey, that pleases our God. Band, you can come up. As we mentioned in the sermon, the first step to all of this is repenting of your sin and turning toward Christ. If you've never made that decision, don't leave this place until you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved, and you will become a a part of something greater than yourself, and you'll get to experience Christmas for what it was all about. I'm going to be over in the prayer room if any of you needs prayer this morning.